Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you this morning for what you're going to do in our lives. Thank you for the word of God that will come from the man of God to the house of God. We pray that you would just transform us, oh God. Father God, allow our minds to be uh, renewed by hearing your word, by understanding the ministry of your spirit, Father God, in this house this morning. We praise you for the life of Bishop Wellington Boone, his family, Lord, his legacy. Thank you, Lord, for a gift to the body of Christ, Lord. We pray, Father God, that we might cherish, value it, Lord, and allow it to lighten our path, Lord. Lead us by, by, Father God, the inspiration of your word this morning. We pray that you would bless it, that it would not return void, that it would be a good seed planted in good hearts that would bring forth a harvest that glorifies your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's welcome Bishop Wellington Boone. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Pastor. Awesome. I love you, man. I love you, man. I love you, too. Thank you. Good morning, good morning. Woo! You guys are a blessing. I miss you. I do. I, I, I guarantee you I miss you guys, and it's just too long. I'm just going to have to come and hang out if I don't get invited. Of course, I did call up myself on this one. <laughs> Said I'm going to be down here. And so thank you for being open, though, to you. Thank you for being open like that. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10. So, first revelation, second transformation, it's important, I mean, excuse me, formation, second formation, third transformation, okay? First revelation, that's what you need to really be born again. God needs to reveal himself to you in a real way. This can't just be religion. And uh, so, I was over in another country recently, and... um, in that country, they, they did praise and worship, sort of like the praise and worship that just went forth, but not really the same. And of course, you know, I had to tell them the truth. I was in uh, Cape Town, and it was a blessed church. It was, you know, a very large church. But after sitting there and participating with them in the praise and worship, I said, this is not the kind of praise and worship that would bring God down in a real revival. I said, there's no desperation in it. There's no passion in it. It doesn't seem like you're just 25 years out of apartheid. And I said, I've been in praise and worship in Africa where the praise was so passionate that they had to ring a bell in the microphone to get, to get them to transition because they were going after God hard because they realized, watch, where two or three are gathered in, in my name, there am I in the midst. If he's there... Were you praising like God really is there? That's what I asked. And then I said, were you praising like God inhabits the praises of his people? And then I said this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I said, are you praising the same as it is in heaven? Because if he transfers you immediately from where you are to where God is, would you have to change the level of your praise? Or does it already equal the level of the praise that's going on in heaven? So I was being real with them because he says, in earth as it is in heaven, not as it's going to be. So in some ways you have to appropriate what's going on in heaven and then imitate that in the earth. But I know that in the flesh you're not going to get it. So you have to get a revelation of what's going on. In other words, he sent the Holy Spirit not to help you get a new house, even though it's okay if you want it, or a new car or a new job. He sent the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he will take of mine and reveal it unto you, meaning that the things that I showed you, the things that you need to know, the things that is the permanent stuff, I sent the Holy Spirit to give you the ability to apprehend that. And so if you don't get that, there's something that's going to be missing as far as where he can place you in the next world. So I'll give you this then. So the issue of your salvation is not going to heaven. The issue of your salvation is where you're going to be placed when you get there. So it's important now that you stay with me as I go through the scriptures with you now in this regard. In Hebrews, I enter into the spirit of the prayer of the man of God. 
I mean, every, I mean, I was back in the back, and Pastor Molino was pounding me back there, and it was great stuff. I, I don't know if Bishop Hunt is listening to this message. If not, he'll probably be able to get it. But I told him to call him up. Call him up sometimes and just tell him what God is doing through you. And, that, and that's no, nothing wrong with that, provoking him to a godly jealousy. I mean, you're going for God. You're strong about your standards and your principles. And either people are going to get with them or go get with where they can get with. And that's how, that's how you are. Why would you want a weak pastor? Why wouldn't you want a pastor that is somewhere where you're not? For example, we, in, my, in my church when I was pastoring it, and numbers of them are still doing it now, we read through the Bible every year. Uh, you know, if you do four chapters a day, you'll get through the Bible. And, but I'm on the month of December for 2020. So I've already read through the Bible Less than 21 chapters. So my wife had 21 chapters. I'll be finished next year's read-through. But what's the point? I'm not going to lead people who are more dedicated than I am or who are equal to my level of dedication. I'm going to be ahead of where they are. They're going to have to go to keep up with where I am in God. They're not going to pray like I'm praying. They're not going to go into the quiet places and sacrifice like I'm sacrificing unless they're seeing it at this level. They got to go for it. You're not going to be able to be a casual Christian and follow this level. So my goal is, I mean, I'll say that to Bishop Hunt. Uh, This this maybe will be on Facebook. I don't care where it is. Jackson crewed up these bishops that are with me. To be a bishop with me, you cannot be lax and be following me. If you're following me, it's going to cost something. It's going to cost something. So, I, for example, I'll read this passage in a minute. But I, I said to my wife, come here, just exactly what you just said. I said, I, I, and I, I said to her today, I said to her on the cruise, if I wouldn't have married you, I don't know if I would be where I am in God. Because the woman had fixed values. I, I was ghetto and gutter. I mean, I said to her to go away from her every day and to get into the word before day and to pray and fast and to be consistent with it. That was her. That wasn't me. I was ghetto. I never saw anybody consistent in when I was coming up. I, my, I didn't meet my dad early on. and My mom wasn't saved originally. And so, but when I married my wife, I mean, I was saved, but she had these standards, man. She's like, like if she said, if we said we're going to read, we're going to read. If we said we're going to pray, we're going to pray. If you said you're going to have 5 a.m. prayer, you can't get there at 5 a.m. You got to get there before 5 a.m. in the morning. And that's the way. So she's the one that pushed me. So when I wrote the book, Women Are Kingmakers, I was really just writing what I saw out of the Bible that she was representing. Yes. Glory to God. And so... I thank God for her, man. I thank God for her, and I thank you. you got an awesome wife like that. Absolutely. And so because of that, I miss you. I, I do. I, I miss your testimonies. Now, I'll tell you what I am now. I know your spiritual dad is here, but one of the things about a dad, when they get at a certain age, he's not in competition with his own son. He wants bragging rights. Yes. In other words, you can see, see my sons and you could call me up and tell me everything God's doing. I would never say, well, he's bragging, or oh, look, he's boasting. I would, say, I would say, go ahead. This is awesome. I celebrate it because somebody's living for God at the right level. And, you, and look, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. See that? And they love not their lives unto the death. So when you see the things he's doing and the things he says, somebody could get mad at him and want to hurt him. Because some of the things he says to him is bold stuff. People want you to capitulate. They want you, why, are you, why can't you be nicer? It's not that you can, he's not nice. He he's just has standards. And that's what this culture seemingly are not getting right now. The issue is not tone. The issue is standard. If you're saying the right thing with the wrong tone, it's still the right thing. And so, so I've said the right thing with a nice tone, and they still don't want it. So just say it the way you see it, and that's what it is. And so the Holy Spirit has to help you with it anyway. And that's really where it is. So I thank God for what you're doing. I thank God for what is a man. I'm telling you. I want to go public with this too. And I said 
to my wife this morning, we're going to also get behind. Every man I know, I've mentioned it to him before, but not enough. What is a man? That's a bold question. What is a man? Because if you go around sinners and you, you got a, 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 a golf shirt on that says, what is a man? They're going to ask you, like, what do you mean, what is a man? Yeah, that's right. And so, I mean, what are you saying I'm not a man? Absolutely. No, what are you saying? What are you saying? I'm saying, what is a man? What do you say a man is? So if you tell me what you say a man is, and that's not what I define as man, I'm going to correct you. So this question is a provocation to provoke you into an understanding of the creative order, what God made you to be. So this is not about what I think you think or somebody else thinks. This is is about what God made you to be. And so I got a hold of that. That's what he's saying. And then I'm promoting that at a level so that you won't miss something in the next day, in the next world. So I'm going to get you right in this world. So that's sort of like what I'm doing right now as we read Hebrews chapter 10. Let me go there with you for a minute. Verse 35 says, cast not away therefore your confidence. I'm reading in the New King James Version, um, which has great recompense of reward. So think about this now. So right away, he's making a provocation in this uh, this writing to the Christians, but he's leading them to the next world in the statement that he's making. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. So I got to ask you, how many of you are confident Christians? And what's your confidence in? Do you capitulate when you get around sinners who curse in front of your face? I'm amazed. I was playing golf once about a month ago in in a certain city, and this was 80-some-year-old man was playing with me, and he was cursing. And so as he cursed, I looked at him, and then he said, well, I apologize, you know, apologize. And then he was saying something else to me, and he cursed again, and then he apologized again. And then I just asked him, what are you cursing for? And then he said, I'm a contractor. And the the workers, they curse all the time. That's just what they do. And sometimes, you know, you just, you hear it all the time, so it just, it just, just comes out. And then I'm saying, you're the boss. You, you, stand, you set the standard for your company. You have let your company lead you in your conversation instead of you being the leader there. I'm not even talking about being Christian. You mean you let somebody that you pay to be in your presence to do work for you come in and curse in your face? You mean you can't set a standard? And then, of course, um, well, you know, eventually he, I told him what I do and what, who I am and all this. And Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. I'm not talking about, I don't care what race he was. He, wasn't, he didn't happen to be black. I don't, it wouldn't make no difference. Because the issue of redeeming you from the curse is not an issue of race. It's the issue of the grace of God on your life. You're redeemed. So therefore, God is saying, live up to the standard of what I've done for you. Why lower your standard and have a conversation that I didn't create for you? Because that conversation won't make it into the next world. It is accursed to talk like that. And so he just doesn't get it. And so some of this, so my wife and I on this cruise, just came off a cruise. And, so, and the cruise is a princess, a bunch of old people. I don't even consider myself old, but I am and I don't care. But they were old people and, they, you know, they were several of them, you know, drink wine, do all the stuff they do. They were, tell, they were telling us what they do. And then finally, when they saw what we did, then they declared their Christianity. I'm thinking, you ought to be embarrassed now to declare it because you are a low-information Christian or you're not a Christian. But this is the kind of thing I've been noticing out in the culture. Without a ministry that sets the standard, like what we're talking about right now, the culture will retrograde to the point of least resistance. They're living at the level of toleration not the level of revelation. They tolerate stuff, but somebody is the standard. And so one basic thing, for example, I'm going back and forth to Germany, and one of the things that I've said to you when I was here is that they're in depopulation, Germany is. 1.7 children per family is the number. You get below 1.8, it's depopulation, which means the death rate is higher than the birth rate in that country. So they're dying. Nobody has to do anything. They're just dying as as a race. And then the Nordic countries, they're 1.3. Now you have, you have money, 
military strength, uh, you have education, you have the freedom to be able to travel worldwide, you have the, you, you, and then 70% of those people live with their mate rather than marry them. In other words, I'm not committing, I'm not committing to you, I live with you. And, and both the women and the men said, okay, I agree with that, 70% of them. So, so what are you saying about that? They're saying we not only don't want to make commitments like the Bible teaches to one another, we don't want children. And so this is what I say to them. I said, somebody's children is leading everything. So you're saying that you wouldn't want to raise a child up the way they should be so that your child can be a leader in the culture? You'd rather for somebody else's children to lead and not yours? So let me go. So say, Revelation, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become. So, okay, so you are living two ways. One, you're under the Adamic seed, Acts 17, 26. You are of one race. Now, the, the nonsense of, of, the, of the culture itself without Christ is that they don't know that every race living came from Adam. Do you get that? I'm going to do a C-line on that one. Do you get that? That's Acts 17. So naturally, we're all kin folks. We're all kin folks. See? But spiritually, we are born of God if we're born again and we're all kin folks again. So now here's where this is going. In, in Genesis 1:28, God says to them, look, he hadn't physically made them yet. God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it. So he was looking to forming the man, see, Genesis 2, 7, and God formed him of the dust of the ground. So first revelation, I'm talking to you because I said, let us make man in our image. So when I say nothing can withhold what I say from happening instantaneously because I don't work by time, I create time. So when God said it, instantly, that's what happened. But where did it happen? It happened in the spiritual dimension, in the spirit world. Just like when you became born again, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, behold all things. You instantly were born again. How fast? Instantly at the point the Holy Spirit quickened you and you became alive in God instantly. But what's the issue? You're saved from hell, but you don't know how to conduct eternal behavior. So I've said it this way, you're saved from hell, but you're living underneath the level of your birthright. Meaning you are born again, but you don't know immediately how all the facets of godliness that's in the genetic seed. You're of God if you're born again. And God did not create average. He didn't create mediocre. He didn't create substandard. He doesn't know those things. Adam's fall is what brought those levels. But in the creative order, God created man in his image after his likeness. So I was in a meeting with uh, uh, Bishop Hunt. He was, at, uh, was doing an anniversary service. So I said to Bishop Hunt, Bishop Hunt, what's your last name? Of course, I said it. He said, Hunt. I said, what's your daddy's last name? He said, Hunt. I said, then if you deny you are your daddy's child. Would that change anything think about you genetically? He said, no, because you carry the properties of the seed you came from. I said, then physically, you are of your daddy. So in other words, I could actually say you are your daddy's child. You're just a later generation, but you have the same genes. Do you get that? Well, why don't you know that then about God? It says in 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed by the word of God. There's something about every born again believer that has the nature of their, your daddy. But here's the deal. You can be of God and never acknowledge it and never live up to the standard of it because it's not a priority to you. So, just for a minute here, 
Look, it says, cast not away your confidence, for it has great recompense of reward. Your confidence should be in the family you were born in. <laughs> Come on, don't shout me down now because I'm preaching good here. See, because what, what we've learned to do now is if a family is rich or if a family is royal, or if a, you understand, or if a family is famous, we're then happy about that if the parents were appropriate, meaning if your dad wasn't, you know, mistreating your mom and if your mom didn't let you get, uh, as a young lady, uh, molested. And all these things happen in the culture. But if it was the appropriate kind of family and your dad was famous or your dad was rich or your dad was, was um, you, know, you know, godly, then okay, you're, you're, you're glad to be in that family line. Well, what about being born of God? Well, what about being born not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed? What's an incorruptible seed? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to ask you to turn to Colossians chapter 3. Just for a moment, I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation because I want you to see this because this is it's huge. Colossians 3 and verse 1. Since you have been raised to new life, that's what I just said to you, watch, with Christ, look what it says. Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Watch. So one, he says, set your sights on it. The next verse, he says, think about the things of heaven. Now, what is that? Well, what are the things of heaven? See, if you don't think about it, then you don't even know the answer to what I just said. He said, think about the things of heaven. Because what's happened is the devil's goal is to occupy you in the earthly things so that you think about those things more. Like the day is Sunday. And every man in here knows what Sundays represents to the average man. Football, see, you, you, you're mouthing it right out. And if you have your team, you know about your team, the quarterback, his record, with the defense, you know all those things. Why? Because one, you set your sights on it. What does that mean? You pay attention to it. So if you pay attention to football and you know football, and the, and the Bible doesn't tell you to pay attention to football, but it does tell you, pay attention to heaven. So when you say, well, I don't know much about heaven, well, then what's the answer to that? Get on it. You are not paying attention to it. Because the reason you know about football is because you pay attention to it. You set your sights on it. And so I'm just saying to you, you can be, you can be in a great family and not pay attention to anything your daddy tells you. You can challenge it. I mean, I was looking at last night, I saw the uh, Heisman Trophy guy, things. And I saw this young boy uh, win the Heisman, uh, Sutton or Hutton or one of those names. But the thing I liked about him was his humility. I liked about how he acknowledged the people who had sown into his life. Now, I didn't hear him say a lot about God but he said something about the process of the person he had become. He had paid attention to his dad. His biological dad was a, was a coach up until a year ago. And finally, his dad, look, look at the big thing that was happening. The big thing was his dad retired from coaching to, pay, to go to every football game that his son played because his son was his youngest son and the thing that his son appreciated, the thing that his mama appreciated is that his dad stopped living for himself but lived for the future of what his children were going to become. So watch. So there's destiny, then there's legacy. And this is what, he had his own destiny. You had been a coach for, I think he said 25 or 30 years. So now you've had that, your son, you're now 50 years old and you'd pay no real attention to your own son. And so your son did acknowledge you. He was thankful that you gave him a year. Well, what happened to the other years, son? What happened? See what I mean? But when he talked about his football coach, he started crying. The boy, he started crying. He said, you, you, have, you, you don't know, coach, what you've done for me and my family. 
the coach, not the dad, the coach. Football, not creative order, not the, the principles of scripture, not what you're going to be forever. See, the issue was not only is he going to win the Heisman, but potentially he's going to be a high draft pick, maybe the number one draft pick. But what is all of that? Let me just say what it is. It's clearly nonsense. There is nothing to it at all. Let's say he, he, he wins, he gets the number one draft. Let's say he becomes the new, or did you're going to love me saying this, but the new Brady, okay, for the New England, and he wins all those Super Bowls. You, can't, you can talk about him all you want. He's won more Super Bowls than anybody, but let's just say this guy does all of that. Without Christ, there's nothing to it at all. Look how much you pay attention to stuff that is only this world's stuff and not the stuff that is about eternity. And this is what the scripture is saying. Watch, come on, since you ask. He says, he says, look, it says in verse, three, again, I'm reading. He says, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. In other words, he's saying, pay attention to it until heaven becomes your reality. See, I know I've said this here before. I said that Jesus destroyed death, hell, and the grave. See, if you don't defeat death, you'll be afraid to die. And there are certain things that you won't do because the potential is you're going to get killed. There are places you won't go. Listen, my, I, I was in South Africa just in September. Um, my birthday, I'm in South Africa. Um, I'm screaming at, kind of like I already told you some of the things I said, but that was just like a drop in a bucket. I said what I said, and then I also said it in some other things, too, about the prayer life, the prayer, the soft praying. Well, no, there was any passion in it. There was no conviction in your praying. It was soft. See? Like a lot of the churches I go to, I didn't have to do a prayer before I started preaching because he already prayed. I agreed with it. The Spirit of God was in it. The atmosphere has been set. All I have to do is step up here in the atmosphere of a dedicated prayer. That's all I had to do. See? I'm not doing religion. So, so here you have it. You and I are made to live forever. But why are we going to go to the forever realm and be stupid when we get there? Why? Because we didn't pay any attention to the heavenly dimension. We put all our attention on getting your hair fixed, getting your nails. I mean, I know when she got her nails fixed last. I know what color she likes on her nails. I, I, I know when she had her hair done. I pay attention to her on that. So these nonsensical men that say, I just don't seem to understand my wife. Well, they, that's the, the answer to it, knucklehead, is that you don't understand her because you don't pay attention to her. Yes. That's all it is to it. And, and so you act like, well, I don't want to go to the shopping malls and all that. Well, going to the malls isn't for you. Going to the malls is for her. What? Shut up, you knucklehead. Go to the mall. That's for her, man. You're trying to make her happy, not satisfy you. She sits up there and lets you listen to football all day long, screaming and hollering like some, you know, whatever. Okay, here we go. And then look. He says, look now. He says, think about the things of heaven. Look what it says in contradistinction. Not things of the earth. Now, I don't know very many people that have made that as a priority. He says, think about the things of heaven. So let me jump with you. Just for a moment, I got your fingers there. Uh, I got you. Uh, I got you in Hebrews chapter uh, ten. But now I got to ask you to turn to Second Timothy chapter four. Second Timothy chapter four. Uh, now I'm actually rushing, but that's okay. Listen fast. <laughs> Glory to God. Look what it says. No, no, no. I'm going to ask you to examine this closely now, in terms of what Paul is saying to Timothy here, because this is a son. Now, I, I'm kind of upset if I don't have any sons who are not following after my personality, but after my principles. So if nobody wants the life I'm living and the principles I stand for, that's got to be an issue. Either, the, either, either everyone is saying you're not living it right or they're missing it. And probably they're missing it. So... Let me just go ahead, if they're not following me. So Paul says, I solemnly urge you, verse 1 of 2 Corinthians 4, 
in the presence of, of God. Now look how he's saying this. And that's how I'm saying these things I'm saying to you is in the presence of God. I don't want to go to hell or lose some rewards because I'm not telling you the truth or I'm compromising to a man that's going for God like this. You don't want no soft message from me. You don't get it soft, okay? So look at it. He says, and Christ Jesus, in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Now, this is what you got to understand. You are born again to live forever because you are going to pass in this life to a forever world. So what do you know? You have to know it in the next world. Now, here's the great challenge. I, I, I'm, I sat on the board of a university. I, I, the way I met Dr. Ben Carson is on the board of that university. And uh, so I was on the, the, uh, the divinity committee. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested in what you're teaching these divinity students and what they're learning. I'm, I'm interested. So, you know, I'm over there screaming too because here I'm wondering, are you preparing them for heaven? What do they know that when they get to the realm where God is, you got to still know it? So now I'm bringing that to you. What do you know that is going to make it to the next world that won't be dismissed in that world. See? Now, I'm not saying, what have you heard? I'm saying, what have you learned? What have you adhered to? What are you living by that when time is no more, you'll still need to know it and you'll still have to live by it? So the scripture I gave you in Colossians 3 is set your affections on things above. Okay, what are some of those things? Like, for example, is love a temporary value or an eternal value? See? Now, let me just give it to you. There abides faith, hope, and love, right? There abides. That means these are abiding values. You got to know what love is. So God creates out of his love, see, judges out of his holiness. I'll just give you that at no extra charge. So there abides faith. Hope, hope is the future. So not just the future of what you're going to do on the earth, but the future of where he can place you in heaven. Come on, let's get this. You got to get this. This is what Paul is talking to Timothy about. He says, I'm in the presence of God now. So what I'm writing to you is I'm, being a, I'm held accountable for these things that I'm writing to you. You got to get a hold of this. So let's just look at what he's saying to him then. He's saying, look, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom? So now, so setting up his kingdom. Have you thought about that for a minute? Setting up his kingdom. So when I was here before, I mentioned it to you, but I don't think I went into it. In John 14, which says, in my father's house are many what? Mansions. So this is the way contemporary charismatic Christians explain that. I can't wait to get to heaven so I can get my mansion. Oh, I know it's must going to be awesome. So you think that Jesus came, suffered, was crucified, dead, and buried, on the third day was resurrected so that in the next world he could give you a house, huh? You think that's he's going to give you a house in the next world? See, that's the way it's been explained. In the charismatic circles, uh, Pastor, that's the way it's been explained. The word actually mansion doesn't mean physical house. He's talking about dwelling place. So the issue of the next world is placement. And placement has to do with responsibility. President, vice president, you know, you know, managers on down. And the closer you get to the top, the greater the authority. So God does not promote you by gifting, he promotes you by development, character. So the issue is this. So I said, first revelation, so you're born again. Now, Romans 8, 29 says, whom he did foreknow, then he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So first, next formation. What about you that matches heaven? Okay, let me go into it with you. I'll finish this, this reading, this little part right here. Look, he says, preach the word, be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently, look, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will not 
No longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. So uh, somebody say, not here. Not here. No, we, we, we listen here. Go ahead and say it. You sound soft. Say, we listen here. We listen. Okay. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. You see that? Glory to God. He says, look, they'll reject the truth and chase after myths. And that's what I want to say to you. Uh, the, 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 um, Proverbs talks about feeding on trash. But look, I got to go down to verse 6. I, I got to skip because this is, uh, well, no, I'm going to go. But, but verse 5, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. As for me, look, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. That means the greatest thing you can do is to give all of your life to the things of God. Now, what he didn't say over there, the pastor didn't say, is that his wife, Yvette, encouraged him in the things of God that he wouldn't be the man of God that he is now. But look, but I said to her, but he would be rich. <laughs> what do you mean? Because he's, the same passion he has for God, he still has that ability for God to be passionate for the gift that he's given in the legal work. Oh, yeah, they'd be paying him big money, but he says, your money perish with you. I'm going after God and those that want me to help them out. Can't buy me. I've already been bought. That's what I'm saying. So she said, no. I, no. See, she's not saying, honey, I want like the big house and I need the, the maids. I need at least three or four maids. I don't want to drive around. I like you want to drive me. I mean, look, she said, no, you go after God. I got you. And that's what you got here. So in the kingdom of God, large is not a number. Large has to do with development. What you become is way more important than what you're challenged with. Your challenges prove your growth level. You whine because you got the problems. You whine because you don't have enough money. You whine because, you know, your church isn't large enough or whatever. You're missing it. It's what you're becoming. Because one of you could chase 1,000, two of you can chase 10,000 if you grow. So while you may say, say if you had two people here and both of you are disciples of the man of God, that's, that's what's worth 10,000. So you don't, don't let nobody... I, know, I preach in big churches too. I preach in big, the churches that I was mentioning in South Africa. They're large churches. They're large churches. Thousands in attendance. And... There's no guarantee that any of them are disciples. Need-based. And then I said to them, oh, my father. I, I said to them, I said, you guys are still complaining about your circumstances. You have the same conversation. Now, they could be listening to me right now. Let me just go close. I feel like I'm too far from you. And they, 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 they could. They were complaining about, we still don't have enough money. We still have poor housing. We still don't have the jobs. We still, the, those who are in charge still are in charge of everything. And then you go over to the secular people and they're saying the same thing. I said, what about your conversation that says, God, I want you to get involved? What were you saying that says, Holy Spirit, make a difference? Your plea is about your circumstances, not about your future. You can decree your future. You can find out what God has said principally in his word and declare that and God will back his word. One of the things God got on me about is unbelief. Because he says, God, liars will find themselves in the lake of fire. But the, one of the first things he says, the unbelieving and the fearful in the Revelation 21, 8. But, and cowards, that's, that's what you call them. But look, but unbelief is actually saying, God, you lied to me. You're calling God a liar. When you are not in faith, you're saying that what he declared in his word, he won't do. And I remember being, you know, I was in water and my little son, about three or four years old, I'm in the water and I'm saying they're on the edge. I said, jump, jump. I mean, we're like in three feet of water, maybe even two feet. Jump, I'll catch you, I'll catch you. Jump, yeah, no, I'm scared, I'm scared. I said, come on, I said, jump, come on, I got you, come on, jump. Because why? I know that I would never want him to jump if there was a possibility he would drown. 
Well, here God has said things in his word about how to jump, how to operate in faith, and you think you can take care of your children better than God can take care of you. You're saying that God is not a caretaker of his own children better than you. God is waiting for you to jump. And I believe that, that this what is a man is a jump out into what man should have been. And all he's really telling us is to do what we should have been doing all along. And the women would be full of joy. And it would be great, man. And church services would be powerful just because you're doing what you should be doing anyway. God gave you the ability to do. So, so this is what I want to get to. I didn't even get to what I was going to get to right here in the scripture right here. He says in verse 6, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my, my death is near. Now watch. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. And now, look, the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Paul, how did you know that? How did you know that when you go to heaven, you're going to get a crown? You're now actually stating what your rewards are going to be. See? How did you know that? It's exactly the same that when God lets you into that dimension of where he lives in, he gives you insight as to what is available for you in that world. Like, for example, it says in Romans 4 about Abraham, Abraham believes God. In Hebrews 11, it says, and he looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. Wait a minute. How did you know there was a city like that, Abram? There's nothing in the Bible that says in the next world there's going to be a new Jerusalem, a city whose building and maker was God like that. Because you were the patriarch. God revealed that during your time and the future. Because why? God gave him access into the eternal. Why? Because he was a man of faith. Faith means we walk by faith, not by sight. But what I find in a lot of Christianity is that they, if, it's not, if they can't see it, they can't, they're not going to do it. If it sounds like it's nonsense, we say, we're not going to do this. I mean, I'm believing for, like, like, here I am right now. So I'm going back and forth to G Germany, uh, you know. And then I went to South Africa. My, the ladies went over there, and uh, we supplied those ladies in, in, in with one major church, but other schools, they didn't have sanitary napkins and they would miss a week out of school every month because they didn't have that. And so we said, oh, this is crazy. This is ridiculous. We can at least do that and use that as a vehicle to be able to transform them and get a permanent connection into those things and transform all, the, transform all those young girls. And that's what we do. So we're not just doing that one time. We're doing that forever. We are created to be on the resource side. We are supply side. We're not on the need-based side. We're not beggars. We are going for God hard because he can trust us with resources. He can trust us. Now, there are times, I mean, look, so then God got on me. He said, like, I'm 71, right? So he said, so you're flying over there, and look, and, uh, oh, yeah, you got good seating. Yeah, but you got one of your sons that he has three airplanes. And, and he says, yes, if I'm wrong, Bishop Boone will correct us in terms of our theology. And what the Lord clearly said to me, he said, do you think then that because you're, you're 71, you can't believe me for an airplane? You mean you're doing my work, and I want you to do it all over the world, and you think you, you can't believe me for an airplane? Because it's going to burn. It's not worthy of you. I've made you to live forever, but the airplane is going to burn at your period. So the issue wasn't, wasn't an issue of value. The issue was unbelief. I wasn't believing large enough. And if I had the best airplane, it would be nothing compared to what he's making me into. The airplane is trash. The best car is trash. I went with my daughter to some of those women. And those women, I saw uh, one of those Rolls Royce SUVs, uh, Bentley SUVs, and then one of the S550 Brenzes, and that. What? And then I'm teaching those women out of Genesis 1. They were celebrating what I was teaching them. 
You mean you can, if you can celebrate God, you can have old trashy Rolls Royce or trashy Bentley? That's not worth more than those women are worth. That's not worth their heart towards God. Get out of the poverty mentality and realize that the resources, God says, I give you power to get wealth to establish this covenant. He gave me the five-minute sign. I'm going to continue this in the next service. But watch this. So I was in Germany at Ron Winthrop's uh, office. He owns Bible TV in Germany. Okay? So I'm, I'm talking with him. So before I talk with him, I'm in his office, his, his library. And all of his, li- all of his library has all of Warren Buffett's books. He's a Warren Buffett aficionado. So he doesn't oversee his company anymore. His son oversees his company. All he does is benevolence and increase his money through Warren Buffett's plays. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Now, look, Warren Buffett already committed to giving all his money to Gates when he dies. But Gates was not even doing benevolence until Ted Turner provoked him. Ted Turner was into, you know, the owner of T- that was owned TNT and CNN and all that. Ted Turner was into cleaning up the ocean floor and cleaning up the oil spills. And I, I used to kind of fuss at that because you're cleaning up the oil spills, but you're not cleaning up the people that spilled the oil. You knucklehead. But that's his money. Do what you want to do with it. So he went to Gates and said, Gates, it behooves wealthy people to give back. If you're wealthy, give back. He wasn't talking about saved. He just says, you have more than you could ever spend. You have more. You can buy anything you want. So give back. Try to lift. So you know what? Gates says, okay, you, you want me to do that? Okay, I got you. So he started the Gates Foundation. Guess what happened? He was already worldwide famous by being rich through internet services. And people celebrated him. Everybody tried to get an appointment with him, right? But when he started that foundation... And he started dealing now with giving to global issues. Watch. He moved from success to significance. The response that, that of significance moved him because he now knew his money was giving value to the culture. Before, he was successful by what came into him. But he came, became significant by what went out from him. And he liked significance better. So guess what? He quit his job as CEO and became the CEO of his foundation. When he did that and Buffett saw it, Buffett then said, what they're doing, what Gates is doing in his foundation is what I want to give my money to. Now, here's what I want to just say to you in conclusion. Buffett is the man in terms of understanding how to work the market. Said, said to be the second wealthiest or the third wealthiest man in the world. But watch this. Until he makes Christ his Lord and Savior, he's poorer than both those men on the cross and way poorer than the one man who said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now watch. These men had lived lives of debauchery. That meant that they were stealers. They were takers. And Jesus said, this day will you see me in paradise. Look, one day with Jesus on the right side eliminated a whole lifetime of debauchery on the wrong side. The king's answers without the king is debauchery. All the money that Gates give away, all the benevolence that Buffett does, without Christ as the bottom line, he will get no rewards for it. Because Isaiah 64, 6 says, All of our righteousness is as filthy rags without Christ. I want you to take a seat out on this. The average Christian don't believe what I'm saying. They think they can do good things without Jesus Christ. No, 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 no. The good thing has to be given credit with the one who's the author of good. Oh, yeah, I'm right about this one. I'm right about this one. The king's answers without the king is humanism. And we're living in a culture of not humanitarians, but humanists. They take God's glory. And God said, I'll never give my glory to another. Cast not away your confidence, therefore. 
for it has great recompense of reward. You stick with God. You stick with him strong. You stand on the Lord's side. I'm going to talk with you in that service about the angels that are backing you. I want to clearly say this to you. Angels don't know the joy our salvation brings. They were made. They weren't born of God. They were made by God. You got to understand. So the next service, I'm going to talk with you about what it's like in the next world. What you, how would you talk? How would you travel? What would be your competency level? What, what are you going to be able to do? It's right in the Bible. I'm not talking about coming up with something. I've already shown you that he's going to have a crown. Well, what are you going to do with a crown if you're not going to have subjects? And if you're going to have subjects, who is going to be? Like, for example, repopulation. Is there other living beings on other planets? Will God let you then repopulate? Because he says in the next world, there's not going to be marrying or giving in marriage. How then will repopulation happen? It's right in the Bible. I'm going to say a prayer right now. You see this? You got to grow. The reason for being a man in your house is because how a man runs his house is how he would run a world. My father, I bless you and thank you now so much these who are here. I love these people. And I love what you're doing in their hearts. And I love that they're good ground. I love this man of God. He's a non-compromising man standing on the word of God, but yet at the same time still growing. He's still growing. And I thank you for his pastor who came and celebrated with him 20 years of having a son. Oh my God. It's celebrating his son, not in competition with him. Thank you so much for both of them. Oh, Lord, continue to use and raise up people all over the world like you're doing already, getting his books translated into other languages. More and more and more more. Blessed is he who called you, who also will do it. I speak the blessings of God over your lives. And where there's repentance, where you have a heart toward God, where you know you can be more dedicated, give it up to God right now. You give it up to him right now. And let God make you the amazing person you were born to be. Is my prayer. In Jesus' name, I pray. And all the people said, Amen. 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 Glory to God.